Hi folks, it's Matt here from the RCR podcast. It's been a while, it's that time of year, it's hectic, flat out, survey season, all that kind of good stuff. However, we keep getting a question into the office here and I thought, you know what, today is the day I need to jump on this, uh, jump on this bad boy and uh, get the information out to the good listeners. And today's podcast is about biodiversity net gain. So first off, I'm going to give a kind of technical overview. And then I've got a list of points here from our ecologists in the head office in Inverness of uh, questions that they get asked all the time. So we'll, we'll have a quick run through that in a minute. And then we'll look at the um, final kind of points on that and the best way to move your move your project forwards so essentially bnd a bng or biodiversity net it's been a long day biodiversity net gain is a new approach um, in uk planning law that aims to improve natural habitats and uh, and contribute to the recovery of nature during land development Um, there has been for a number of years now, when most local planning authorities look to get a, uh, look, they look for there to be no net loss um, through development. But now, ten percent mandatory gain is coming, and it's going to be implemented under the Environment Act in November 2023. So we're not that far away now, and we, although it's not mandatory at the moment with a lot of local authorities, we are starting to see it's being requested for pretty much every project that comes across our uh, desks. So it's going to be implemented in November 2023 under the Town and Country Planning Act 1990 and then from April 2024 for smaller sites and there's a few exemptions and we're not, not too sure exactly what that's going to look like just yet but in simple terms BNG is about leaving the environment in a better state than it was before. So for years, the default position for all ecologists in relation to um, planning is to make sure nothing gets damaged. Um, If something is going to get damaged, then you look to minimise that. It's called the mitigation hierarchy. If you can't uh, mitigate for it, then you start to look at off-site uh, compensation or, or compensation on site following uh, following development. So, if you are a developer of any size, pretty much including residential projects, you have the responsibility to minimise the loss of habitats during your project. If it's not possible to avoid a loss, then you must create a new habitat either on the site. Uh, of your development so within the red line boundary or elsewhere which is off-site and if neither of these options are feasible then you need to start looking at purchasing statutory credits from the government which will be used uh, to invest in habitat creation elsewhere in England now (laughs) we could talk about the politics for this forever Um, some of us that are old enough start to think oh here we go carbon credits all over again Possibly, um, but you know anything that we can do to improve biodiversity through development has got to be a positive thing, right? Um, local planning authorities will be responsible for approving BNG plans before any development work uh, can begin. So, uh, and most likely securing that through a section uh, one hundred and six agreement as well. So, yeah, it's um, it's something that you need to consider upfront. 
there are provisions for smaller sites with a transition period, like I say, extending to April uh, 2024. And in terms of small sites, because this comes up quite a bit, they are defined for residential purposes as site hosting between one and nine dwellings and having an area of less than one hectare or a site of less than half a hectare if the number of dwellings is uh, is unknown. For non-residential, a small site is one where the floor space to be created is less than a thousand square metres or where the site area is less than one hectare. So that's kind of the technical overview out of the way and SIEM, our industry trade body, has released lots of guidance uh, on this and if I can find it in front of me, I will pop it up um, in the uh, in the show notes so that you've got that I got that information um, moving forwards. Let's pop that up and make sure I haven't uh, missed anything here. So, where are we? Yes, the um, the technical stuff out of the way there. So, essentially, all local planning authorities, all LPAs, are at different stages of implementation at the moment. Siam recently had a uh, webinar where it became very clear that implementation looks very different right the way across the UK. So at the moment, ecologists are upskilling like mad uh, to change from assessment methodologies like JNCC, which if I remember right back in the day, Joint Nature Conservation Council, when I did all my uh, training at Merriswood back in the day, it was... um, it, yeah, the JNCC uh, guide to habitat assessment. It, it looked like it had been handwritten by a child with crayon. Um, anyway, we're moving from JNCC to UK HAB. Uh, Scotland's a bit different to England, and SIEM have producer guidance notes on that, which I'll, which I'll link below. So it's a bit of a mess at the moment. It's a race to November, and essentially what you need to know is this. This is the important takeaway. If you remember one thing from me rambling on, this is not about simple numerical calculations or what's known as the DEFRA metric, which is an Excel spreadsheet. There are clear steps to take on this and the deliverables that need to go in and support your planning application are very clearly um, laid out by local planning authorities on their on their websites. And, you know, your consultancy should engage with the LPA early on. So step one engage the assistance of an ecological consultancy early now i'm not just saying that because i mean obviously there's fees involved with all of this um but you know our passion here is to help people keep their planning on track and the best way to do that is to engage appropriate consultants to assist you right the way through you cannot be an expert in every single area of a planning application so get a good consultant on board early on they will check lpa guidance they'll find out exactly what your local planning authority expects in terms of a deliverable they will advise on what is achievable at an early stage they'll assist with landscape design and more importantly they will feed into your design team what we get quite a lot at the moment is a scheme goes in there has been limited ecological information gone in with the planning application and then the lpa ecologist comes back and says they want bng calculations um so the customer goes out to market and says i need bng calculations but actually all the design work's been done all the landscape proposals and everything has has, has been done and it makes the whole thing a bit convoluted and messy and we'll always do our best to help you but it's certainly not easy that way around so step one engage a consultant early on step two a pea 
and a walkover. So PEA, Preliminary Ecological Assessment, or PEAR, Preliminary Ecological Assessment Report. It's all about the acronyms today. Um, I've talked about this in other videos. I'm not going to go into what that actually means, but essentially you need that PEA, you need that baseline data, and it, the data has to be collected to UK HAB. Habitats need to be assessed to UK HAB um, so that that will feed into the metric nice and easily. Otherwise, conversion has to be done, which is quite tricky sometimes. And to do that, step two really needs a topographical survey. So you're going to have to get that topo done. Um, it wasn't that long ago where even for reasonably sized schemes, a ordnance survey tile was okay. Not anymore. Um, you need a topographical survey. The reason being, you need to be able to measure off it. We need metres squared of what grass is on site, the hedgerows, tree cover, hard standing, all of that feeds into the metric. And following on from that, it means that your landscape architect has got um, a plan that they can then uh, work off of to work out exactly what new habitats are going to be created. Step three then is to perform those metric calculations. There are no online tools for this, so don't waste your time Googling. It may well be that DEFRA um, come up with some sort of online portal for this eventually, but at the moment it's all done in good old-fashioned Excel um, with macros and all sorts of complicated things that I don't fully understand because I hate Excel with a passion. Um, but we have a computer here in the office that is uh, just running BNG calcs at the moment. Um, there are two different types of uh, calculations. There's a small site metric, which can be done by any competent individual. And then there's the full metric, which has to be done by a fully qualified, um, preferably SIEM registered ecologist. Um, and it's important to note that in terms of an output, all local planning authorities are different at the moment as to what they will expect. Some people are happy with a, a, an addendum to your PEA, talking about biodiversity net gain, and then the calculations included or screenshots. Some local authorities want the full metric submitted to them, and some also want a full uh, biodiversity net gain report, which is a separate standalone report. So every LPA is different at the moment, and it's almost impossible to know what you're going to get in terms of um, in terms of uh, in terms of pushback so it all sounds fun doesn't it <laughs> the i mean the key takeaway here is start thinking about this stuff early it's a bit like our trees first not last moniker um so that 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 includes biodiversity net gain now so if you've been asked for bng calculations there's more to it than meets the eye, like they say in Transformers. So what I would highly suggest is reaching out to an ecological consultancy like ours early on, get some good advice, and uh, I'll put a link in the show notes as to how you can do that. So enjoy the rest of your week, and I will see you on the next one.